From Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the hit, it's time for... Suckatash. Clips, the original comedy soundcast featuring snippets from comedy... Soundcast. And here's your host, internationally recognized comedy soundcast soundcaster, Mark Yes, Tissai. Mark Hershon, your host and former prize fighter, now casino greeter for Epi 140 of Suckatash the Comedy Soundcast Soundcast. And as you heard in the opening introduction by our esteemed booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, our carpet now matches the drapes. That is to say, we have Soundcast replacing the outmoded word podcast just about everywhere we can. I still mention it when a show uses it in their title, but other than that, I'm trying to get everyone to start saying soundcast and move away from that old, old podcast word. Special thanks to our engineer producer, Joe Polino, for making that happen with Bill Haywatt and our theme. As I drop this sode, I'm heading to the fifth annual Los Angeles Podcast Festival. That's right. Exciting indeed. I will be in attendance all three days, more or less, holding down space in the podcast lab to interview just as many folks as I can, and I will be moderating the panel on journalism and podcasting on Sunday, September 26th at 2 p.m. We have Phoebe Judge and Lauren Sporer, the host and the producer of the Criminal Soundcast, and also Jefferson Graham from USA Today, talking all about journalism, podcasting, and how it's all sorting out in the mix. It should be a very lively discussion, which you can listen in on, by the way. They are going to be live streaming the PodFest this year at LAPodFest.com, and I can get you, my friend, a special deal. That's right. They want 25 bucks from you, but they've given me a discount code to give to Succotash listeners. And I include you in that number because you're listening to Succotash right now. So click on the link, that's LAPodFest.com, and enter Huffington. Uh, that's all capital letters, H-U-F-F-I-N-G-T-O-N, Huffington, as your code. They will knock $5 off the price. Plus, they're going to kick us a little bit back, too, because you used our code to get in there. Uh, we also have a link directly on our home site, SuccotashShow.com, which will take you to the discount location, and you can start listening right away. Last week, I got to perform at the Spaghetti Jam's 40th anniversary reunion show at the Throckmorton Theater in Mill Valley. It was a lot of fun, but my God, some of those amazing improvisers who started it all back in the 70s, they're now so darn old. I'm old too, but these guys are old. It started out pretty creaky, I must admit, but everyone did get warmed up, and the show overall was a blast. I'm supposed to be getting an audio recording of the whole thing, and I just may slice off a bit of it and share it with you in an upcoming epi of Succotash. Speaking of which, this is an installment of Succotash Clips, and we have a whole rack of snippets for you. Some that I picked, some were harvested by our associate producer Tyson Sainer, and at least one or two were uploaded directly from the soundcasters themselves using our direct upload link. And I will tell you uh, the, the link for that link <laughs> later on in the show, and you can send us your own podcast clips. Or if you just like a particular podcast, you can clip it yourself and send it to us. So we're going to be hearing from the Answering Machine podcast, the Big Question podcast, Cave Crew Radio, Changes in Latitude, Dark Odyssey, Droids Canada, and ear goggles. And in addition to those, I'm going to be clipping four shows that I recently reviewed for either Split Cider or for Huffington Post, including Improv Nerd, 
that's a great show with T.J. Miller as the guest. My Favorite Murder with Karen Gilgariff and Georgia Hardstock. I also reviewed No Such Thing as a Fish, which is a uh, trivia show out of uh, England. I think we've clipped them before. And finally, uh, The Unwritable Rant, which features Juliet Miranda. So those are also going to be in there. We've got a lot of clips, but that's not all we have for you. We've got a double dose of our Burst O'Durst, courtesy of our friend, political comic, and social commentator, Will Durst. And in celebration of fall, we're going to round the show out with a song from our buddy Abner Surd, and it's all about apples. That's right, apples. To celebrate the kickoff of our grassroots campaign to change the term podcast to soundcast in as many places as we can, feel free to drop by the Succotashery via our home site, SuccotashShow.com, and pick up some merch emblazoned with our name, Succotash, and those new magic words, the comedy soundcast soundcast directly beneath it. It's on shirts, hats, coffee mugs, and more. All right, let's get this party started with our first of two, Burso Durst. Hey guys, Will Durst here with a few choice words on the most hideous and gruesome presidential contest we have ever seen in this, the second decade of the 21st century. Sure, 2012 was grotesque, but this time we're headed downward faster than an 18-wheeler with burned-out brakes carrying a load of nitroglycerin on the western slope of the Rockies. It's a race to the bottom to see who will crash and burn the least, and right now they're both in front. Everybody is losing paint, riding each other into the wall, running over some very rocky roads which they themselves paved. The two most polarizing figures in the history of American politics have managed to shoot themselves in the foot so often both their nicknames could be stumpy. Last week, the Donald and the Hillary spent most of their time attacking their opponents' military policies, which has come as a shock to voters who weren't aware that either had a policy that didn't consist in calling in airstrikes on the other's campaign. Time is running out for Hillary to prove she's not a robotic automaton who will say or do anything to get elected. Can't wait for a WikiLeaks to reveal she's installed a larger hard drive and updated her operating system. While Trump needs to assure the electorate he's more than some spoiled rich guy whose idea of presidential decorum is an arrogant smirk. He's gone so far as to hire Mike Pence to smirk for him. The good news is the finish line is only two months away. The bad news is one of these two is going to win the checkered flag. The upside being our long national nightmare will finally be over until November 9th when the race for 2020 begins. Gentlemen and ladies, start your engines. For Succotash, the comedy soundcast soundcast, I'm Will Durst. Oh, bless Mr. Durst for making that switch to Soundcast in his sign-off. You can catch him at his home site anytime you like at willdurst.com. He's especially spicy, by the way, during a presidential election year. So check him out and check him out often. As I said, I decided to do some double duty this episode and clip some of the same shows that I reviewed recently for Splitsider.com and Huffington Post. First up is Improv Nerd with Jimmy Corain, a great improviser and teacher from the Chicago area. He interviews some tremendous improv talent on his podcast, and just this last week, he dropped an episode interviewing Always Funny and just slightly off T.J. Miller. In this snippet, he talks about creating his character of Ehrlich Bachman on the HBO series Silicon Valley. So uh, listen to this little bit of that. So every project you come, you, 
you, you come as an improviser. Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of Silicon Valley, I read a great quote. You said, now it's easy. It's, it's an easy, I show up, I do it, yeah. it's, it's second nature. What was hard about it when you started? Well, nothing's really hard if you don't, if you truly don't give a fuck, you know? But what happened was I had created this character, which again, not a great actor, so... Ehrlich. Uh, yeah, so, but very much, um, when I act, all I do is change my voice a little bit. So the only difference between me and Ehrlich is that Ehrlich sort of talks a little bit like this, you know? Richard, I, I've, I understand that you've been making phone calls behind my back. I'd like to speak with you privately in the den. You know, that, that is the only difference between me and that character. Which is your improv background, basically? Yeah, I mean, you're just, you're, and it's actually the annoyance. Because Mick Napier always said, you walk on stage with one thing, and then you just push through no matter what. And for me, I found that I'm most successful within vocal uh I'm not even a good enough actor to describe it correctly. Incantations. Inflection? Definitely not. Not inflection. Uh, sorry. Definitely not. Uh, it, it's less that. It's more kind of, yeah, I, I just, now that the character has been created, everything is improvised. So about 30%, almost half of what I do is all improvised on the show. And that's because Mike Judge, like Steven Spielberg, is kind of like, yeah, <laughs> like, let me uh, yeah, do that one again or, or do something different. <laughs> yeah, whatever. So it's, it, it becomes a very, it's just a, a blank slate, and I kind of just keep trying different things. And that's where I've been successful in voiceover is that, you know, there are a lot of people that would be good at How to Train Your Dragon or Big Hero 6 or any of this stuff, but it's, I tend to be the person that will give you 30 different options instead of eight, you know? And that's, again, the improviser saying, like, well, what if it's this? What if it's this? What if it's not this? Okay, it's definitely not this, but it could be this. Is it this? It's not that, but it could be this, and then suddenly we've got it. When you're going to an audition, are you asking for feedback from the casting person? Go, hey, look, I, I did like this. I did it like this. What do you have? Let's... I, it's interesting, I, or not interesting, but it, it, it is to a, me, it's always surprised me, and that is a huge deal coming from right. you, but the, like, it's always surprised me that more people don't improvise in auditions. I've never, I got, I'm at a point now in Hollywood where I've gone into auditions, I don't really audition anymore, but when I did, people would say, um, so go ahead and just do, do your thing, and I, I would even ask, so do you want me to just do it as written, and then, and they're like, just. Just do whatever it is that you're going to do. So I almost taught Hollywood that I will never say what's on the page. And I've never understood people who are like, well, do you think it's okay if I say something different? Well, that's the only thing that, that differentiates you from the other people auditioning. That's it. Everybody else has the same words. Everybody else is doing the same audition. Why wouldn't you add something, make it more real, have a different turn of phrase? Why wouldn't you do that? It seems like everyone's afraid to do that. And Hollywood is addicted to this idea of confidence. Again, confidence, con, right? That's a con. They're addicted to confidence. And so when you walk in and you do whatever you want, they're all like, well, I'm worried about uh, getting fired. So, But this guy seems like he thinks like he maybe would be the best person for this job. So if that's the case, and then that will be good, and then I won't get fired, maybe I'll get another job, then we should probably hire him. Do you think we should hire Let's. Should we all hire him? And everyone's looking at each other, and they don't know what is right. So like, yeah, yeah, no, you think, do you think, 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 so you just con everyone with your own confidence into hiring you, 
And the most confident thing you can do is something that's not in the script, the words that you weren't given, but instead you create it. You can check out the rest of that interview with TJ on Improv Nerd, which is findable at the Feral Audio Network. It's available in a lot of other places too, like the Laughable app, Stitcher, and iTunes. We get a lot of Twitter retweet love from Choo Choo Stew from Cave Crew Radio, the internet radio show and soundcast, so high time we sliced off a hunk thanks to Tyson. In addition to Stew from London, there's Sir Bigby out of New York and, and Mr. Wednesday Night from Ontario, Canada. This is from Cave Crew Radio's highest rated episode on iTunes, Epi 6, entitled Smells Like Urine Sushi. And it's a section where the hosts and guests on the show chat with the woman who inspired the meme, Mixcuse Me. Make to y'all, to the people of America. Okay, this, I, I was Hang at this on. here McDonald's on Is this the video? The McDonald's? It's yeah. uh, Monday night. That's her, right? Yep, that's it. Okay, well. She looks, she looks fucking crazy. First of all, my first issue is the drive-thru was filled all the way up, and I had to walk inside. Oh, my God. So then I'm, you know, I'm already mad because I got to get out my car Cheer, look and at go this inside. So I go inside. I politely say, Look at her hey, hair. Uh, I was wrong I about the cute. Meal? She looks like a Muppet. Large size. <laughs> and the lady said, well, okay, uh, that'd be six, 658. <laughs> I said, ain't you forgetting something, ma'am? <laughs> and she said, well, what? I said, you're supposed to offer me the extra McRib for a dollar when you buy the McRib meal. Wow. She knows her shit. You ain't believe it. She looked me up and down. And she said, well, don't look like you need the extra McRib. <laughs> She, uh, she was fucking excuse right. Excuse me, bitch. <laughs> excuse me. I throw punch that bitch. She <laughs> throw punched her. Okay, so, I got her. I got her. Let Let's call. Let's call. Let's hope she's not using AOL phone line. <laughs> throw punch that bitch. Hello. Excuse me. We're trying to do a show here. Y'all ain't gonna believe this. I think my neighbor is tapping into my internet. And Heck stealing it, things and making my Skype not work. Well, how, how do you hack into someone's dial-up internet? Well, I, t- I say you go over there and throw punch that bitch. Yeah, really. A throw punch is in I order. The, the fella, he, um, he knows how to hack into computers and TVs and everything else. He put, he'll put the wire on there and hacks into my computer. Now, now let me ask you a question. Does does he work at that McDonald's down on Dorset? No, he does not work there. He works at the, I believe he works at the airport. He works at the, is that anywhere near Dorset? It's, it is quite close to the uh, Dorset location, McDonald's, which I no longer frequent. I, I, yeah, I can, I can see that. I, I understand you don't want to go down to Dorset and, and, and get out your car and, and all that. I understand. No, I'm not going down there because I ain't walking inside. Now, hey, Carla, now what is Jerry you, from bring, bring, wait, wait a minute, guys. Time out. Uh, <laughs> Carla, uh, bring us back to that day because um, you're a star now. Every, everyone loves you. Uh, There's shirts now that say, excuse me. Um, but yeah, I ain't getting a hits. damn dime from them either. Bring, bring us back. So, so you, 
what was the weather? What was the day? Tell us the story. We want to hear it live. Well, this happened back in November. I got my car, you know, because I didn't feel like making hamburger helper, none of that. So that's hard work. <laughs> I drive on down there thinking, you know, easy peasy. I'm going to go through there, get in the crib, celebrate, smoke a cigarette. And I'll be damned if that drive through one filled all the way up. I'm not just talking about two. Both lanes had in excess of five to six cars. Holy shit. Okay. Right. I said, damn, they better light a fire under their ass. So I sat there for a minute waiting, you know. And I said, shit, I better, I better go in there because they'll be sold out of the McRibs for the time I get through this line. So McRibs are McRibs are really popular in in St. Louis then. Well, I think they're popular everywhere because uh, they put them out for you know two three months and then they shut you down. You take them away from you and keep you wanting them. You know, keep you want more. I see there. Capitalism, baby. Oh yeah, like crack. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I had. Pulled in the spot. I had my pajamas on because I had not expected to be going inside. And just a regular old day, you know, evening at McDonald's. And then that gal verbally assaulted me, talking about my weight. I am morbidly obese. You know what? I am. I'm not ashamed of it. But I'll be damned as an American woman if you're going to tell me what I should and shouldn't eat. Cave Crew Radio's The Name and Live Internet Radio's Their Game every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. If you're anywhere else in the world, work out that time change thing for yourself. Last episode, I mentioned in the Tweet Sack section that I got an uh, upload from the gang at the defunct Ear Goggles Soundcast. Well, guess what? They're defunct no more. Jeremy Grader, Aaron Ristro, and Stacy Black are back. Jeremy said they just could not stay away and are recording 12 weeks of episodes, which they're going to drop one after another. Then they'll take another break, do another 12 in the spring, and so forth. But here's a clip from a special drop they did this summer to announce their return. One of the things with uh, with signing off and going away and deciding to come back was uh, we, we started talking about, uh, is there something we should do differently? Should we change the show in some way? Yes. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. You're talking. And we, uh, at least I, I know you uh, fuckers didn't do shit, but uh, I sought out advice. I went asking uh, those in the, in the community, what, what should we do? What, you've heard us. Good, bad, indifferent, I, whatever. What, uh, I'm what? ready. I'm give it. I'm here. I'm ready to accept anything. That's what your attitude was. You can be mean. That's okay. Yeah. Tear it up. Tell us how right. bad it is. Whatever. Tell the truth. Yeah. Uh, so one one of the because you know, we talked about doing seasons because it's a little bit easier on us on the schedule. And uh, one person said, uh, "Fine to do the seasons idea, but take the opportunity to reformulate the whole show. You already renamed it, but consider elements that could be changed to enable the show to grow more of an audience." Uh, Get rid of Jer- uh, Aaron and Stacy, for example. Well, hold on, hold on. <laughs> right. I'm getting there. Oh, uh, I have no magic bullet, but just brainstorm and see what ideas come up. Maybe new co-hosts. <laughs> okay. All or, right. Or theme or topics. <laughs> Maybe not so blue of a show that could appeal to a broader listening base. So get rid of Aaron. For greater appeal to advertisers. <laughs> right. I'm twice. It's, so basically been... don't do what we've been doing is where yeah. we started. I'm saying not great advice. 
It's yeah. hard to take that one. Hard, yeah. hard to mm-hmm. know where to where to move that one forward. Mm-hmm. Can you just say like what realm, like the type of person? I, you don't have to name names, but was it uh, like a coworker or who, like who gave this a, a listener? I'll tell you after the show. Oh, <laughs> can you write it down? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can, but no, I won't. <laughs> Uh, another was it Stacy. <laughs> yeah, it was me. It was me. It's like I'm out. Just get She's someone like, else. Yeah, you're get you're good else. at what you do. We <laughs> suck. Uh, so go do something else. I don't know. It's I'll talk with it. Uh, I'll talk <laughs> it over more with the people I'm doing a new sh- new show with, and I'll get back to you guys. <laughs> oh my um, god. But I did. I asked somebody else, and they said. Do something like find a TV show that we all like and make it about that. No. That kind of shit is huge right now. <laughs> no. Which right. I think we learned moments ago uh, during the pre-show meeting downstairs that, Aaron, you and I could do a, a whole series on OJ. Oh, yeah. The, it's yeah. the OJ Simpson podcast. <laughs> yeah, we could talk about that. <laughs> With featuring Wilson because she got went way deep. <laughs> Down I, right. I got obsessed. She she did something you and I would never do. She read books. She read a <laughs> book. A book? <laughs> Really? A few, mean, a few books. That thing where there's words on paper and stuff. <laughs> wow. The way those are words, I That's thought they were just squiggly little lines. It's just like, like what was the what was hieroglyphs? The, you read one from like someone that barely even knew the Simpsons. Didn't you go deep into the someone what? that barely knew them? No, it was his agent. Now oh, are we talking agent. about Homer there was like, and Marge? Someone that knew someone that knew OJ. I thought you read Probably. a book written by them. Probably. Like she went way deep. <laughs> Way deep. But yeah, we could do that. <laughs> Sounds like your last date. Oh. <laughs> no, that was me. That was me. I went way deep. <laughs> so, uh, so can't lo- look at, don't look at me. Don't look me in the I eyes, can't. Wilson. No. <laughs> Which also sounds like your last date. Um, <laughs> don't look at me right now. <laughs> I can't oh, stand it when you look right yeah, at me. Don't look at me. That means we're making love when you look at me. <laughs> I'm not ready for that. Right. Right. We're uh, supposed to be just fucking right now. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Who are you? This this is why you We're stopped listening a, a long time ago. We're doing yeah. a show. Okay. <laughs> Don't get offended yet. There's plenty more to oh, come. Oh, plenty more. Yeah. We're just getting warmed up. Mm-hmm. We're doing a show. Uh, so in the end, uh, as you can see, we decided, uh, fuck all the advice. We're just going to do what we've been doing because it's fun. And well, we, if- we're not doing it so blue, though, anymore. Fuck no. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. We've cleaned this shit up. Right. (laughs) Watching our mouths and whatnot. Yes. That's Ear Goggles, available from eargoggles.net and everywhere fine soundcasts are downloaded and or streamed. For Splitsider.com's This Week in Comedy podcast column, I recently reviewed the soundcast, which is sitting at the top of the iTunes comedy chart, My Favorite Murder, with comedians Karen Kilgariff and Georgia Hardstark. If you like your murder flashbacks delivered with a healthy dose of humor and a side of squeamishness, you have come to the right place. <laughs> the hosts do their homework and delve into cases that are sometimes fairly recent and once in a while back in the dusty archives. Most recently, they looked at the unfortunate murder of a college law student named Jane Mixer and her death at the hands of a serial killer who is dubbed the co-ed killer. But It turns out that years later, DNA pointed the musty finger of justice at another Joker who was incarcerated for the crime. Here's a sample of Karen and George's witty back and forth over murder. John Norman Collins, a former fraternity dude, was caught. He's that young? Or he's just former? No, he was, he was, oh God, I don't know his age, but he was a young man. He was in college, like college age too? Yeah. And honestly, like between you and me, he was fucking hot. 
What? Yeah. Oh, that's they're the worst. That's the fuck. It. It's the Ted Bundy thing. Well, that's why these girls would get in his car and get on his motorcycle. He was a cute college dude. He's not anymore. He's fucking gross. But look at an old photo of right. He was. Well, like no one's going to go with the gross guy. No. If, if, a, if a guy rolls up and is like, hey. hey, can you help me with my thing? And yeah, and they look creepy. People are going to go. No, I can use my very basic senses to be like, no, thanks. Yeah, it's this automatic thing of trusting a, a attractive face. That's right. Man. Giving credit to being attractive is that means you're a good person, trustworthy yeah. person. So what does it mean that people think I'm a terrible person? Does that mean I'm unattractive? Nobody thinks that. Uh, wait, you're you're trying to give people rides? <laughs> Always. <laughs> you're rolling up and trying to get people hey, to get into your car. To not kill them. Yeah. Just to um, drive them around and talk about your own stuff. Yeah. It just yeah. seems like to vent sometimes. When I say I, I went to therapy today, all I mean is I picked someone up and made them drive around with me for an hour. <laughs> you made them listen to you for an hour? Yeah. And then I gave them 20 bucks and dropped them off. Thank you. Bye. Uh, so he had been interviewed by police previously, but had been eliminated as a, as a suspect. And part of the reason he was caught was due to the identification by a clerk of the wig shop, which his last victim named Karen <gasps> had visited. Yes, this was an episode of the crime, a crime to remember. The one with the car? <laughs> what? It's like it, the one thing they knew about him, like they had no idea who it was for a long time. But the one thing they knew it was like a blue car. It was a motorcycle. Oh, oh, is that the one where the little girl gets kidnapped like from her driveway? Yeah. And, and they knew the car. Yeah. And that turns out it was a guy that lived right in the neighborhood. Yeah. OK, I'm Wait. combining. Sorry, I'm combining. Yeah, no, you're right, though. So Karen, the last Karen, <laughs> I've watched too many crime shows. Oh, my God. They're they all are. the same in They're my same. mind now. So Karen. Hi, Karen. The last person who was murdered by him that day, the day of her disappearance, had visited a wig shop. And the clerk had remembered that Karen uh, was visiting our store to purchase a hairpiece. And there was a young man waiting outside for her on a blue motorcycle. Ooh. And Clint, Karen told the clerk, she, I mean, man, this bums me out, ready? Mm. She said to the clerk to observe the man with whom she had accepted a ride, a cockeye on a motorcycle. Stating that she had made two foolish errors in her life, purchasing a wig and accepting a ride from a stranger. And then she stated, I've got to be either the bravest or the dumbest girl alive because I've just accepted a ride from this guy. What yes. are the fucking chances? She was then seen climbing onto the motorcycle before uh, riding away with him. You know, that makes me think of. It's like when you get a bad feeling in your gut and you make light of it. That's right. <gasps> and you feel like, oh, if I just say this to one person, it'll yeah. make it less a bad feeling in Isn't my gut. Isn't crazy? And like, yeah, exactly. When you're like, this crazy thing just happened to me. This person assaulted me. And you're like, you should be taking it seriously. Well, no, I just mean it more in the way of like before anything happens, before anything bad happens. But you do have the thing of this isn't right. Like what? The, the, like that. But I was gonna, I mean, from your own life. Are we fighting? Part of the Feral Audio Network, My Favorite Murder is also available through all the usual soundcast haunts, including the new Laughable app. 
Ever since Succotash began about five and a half years ago, one of our staunchest supporters and loyal listeners has been Charlie Miller, who said he was partly inspired to start his random variety show soundcast after listening to Succotash. Well, a lot has changed in five years. Charlie now goes by the name Charlie Sabrina Miller and describes herself as a 40-something transgender queen femme person and hosts a soundcast called Changes in Latitude, A Transgender Experience. It's Charlie's stream of consciousness journey that she takes us on through life, self-discovery, relationships, and beyond. Here's a sample from Epi 99 of Changes in Latitudes, courtesy of Tyson Singer. All right, main topic, 99 bottles of beer on the wall. You know, I was trying to figure out titles, and as I was, I wrote down, you know, Epi 99 on my little spreadsheet that I have, and wham, bam, in in my ear came the song, and I went, shit, that's a great title. We'll do that. Okay, 99 bottles of beer on the wall, because, you know, when else am I going to do that? When else am I going to have a chance to do that? Only really on episode 99 will it make sense, Okay. So as a very special treat this episode, I've sent one of my frequent voice guests, Groucho Marx, to a local bar where they are going to hold a drinking and singing competition brouhaha, I'm not entirely sure, as to who can actually handle drinking and passing around 99 bottles of beer. Believe me, I couldn't believe it when I heard it, but I said, okay, Groucho, go. And I think he's uh, about set up, so let's check in. Uh, Groucho. Uh, are you there? Can you uh, can you hear me? Yes, hello. Hi there, Charlie. Yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, yes, I can, loud and clear. Oh, that's great. Just great. Well, I'm here at the... Uh, where the hell am I? Hey, barkeep, where am I? The 99 Beer Bottle Bar. Seriously? You named the bar after the song? That's right. Well, okay then. I just wanted to be sure... Well, Charlie, I'm at the 99 Beer Bottle Bar. Try to say that ten times fast. On second thought, don't. And what they've done here is they've actually lined up 99 bottles of beer on the walls. Full bottles of beer. And in just a few minutes, the crowd here is going to join in and start singing that ever-popular tune, 99 Bottles of Beer on the Wall. Well, that's just fantastic to hear. Yes, it is fantastic. And if I wasn't here, I'd never believe it. Well, I'm glad you are there. Well, me too, Charlie. Really? No, actually, I'd rather be home in bed. And I'll tell you with whom as soon as I remember her name. Well, I can't argue with that. Well, Groucho, we're going to get going back to the rest of the regular episode for now. But as soon as they start singing, be sure to check back in with me over here, okay? Will do, Charlie. Now back to you. I've always wanted to say that. Now, long-time listeners are going to know this, and, and if you don't, you're going to find out now, because that's just how this show is going. Uh, <laughs> my, you know, falling asleep habits, because I have a hard time trying to fall asleep. I'm not one of those people that puts their head on the pillow and bam, I'm out. I, I have to be truly, really exhausted. I mean, exhausted to reach that, or very drunk. <laughs> to reach that point of just lying down and essentially passing out. I, I, I hardly ever get that way. My brain just goes. So I, I, I either read something uh, to try to fall asleep. Uh, that's a hit or miss because sometimes I, I don't want the light on. Sometimes I, there's just nothing there to read. Sometimes I just don't want to read on my phone. Uh, and the thing that I kind of gravitate towards, because I can kind of turn my brain off and just kind of let it zone out into the noise that's being made, is watching Netflix. 
And uh, I, I, I don't jump around on Netflix a lot. You know, I, I kind of watch a series. I binge on a series top to bottom, you know, as many episodes as they have. And then, you know, move on to something else at that point. Usually go back and check out whatever shows have new episodes available. And that's how I kind of jump around Netflix. Well, right now, I am on the watching binge of the show NCIS. Yes, I know. It took me a very long time to get to it. If I remember correctly, it started in like 2002 or 2003. And uh, right now I'm on episode, I think it's season eight, episode six. I don't have it right in front of me right now. But it's, I, ju- I remember getting to the end of season seven. So I know I'm in season eight. And I've only watched a few episodes since I ended season seven. And I have to say, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, Yes, the the older the show gets, now that it's in its eighth season, some of the, you know, reoccurring jokes and storylines are getting a little old. But, you know, I still enjoy it. I've I've really found myself enjoying the characters, the the people that they are, the the personas that they are. And uh, and overall, even though there are some situations that they get themselves into where you just kind of shake your head and go, really? Who, Who wrote this? Or you think, will this pay off later in the series? Anyway, uh, that's just one of the things that kind of popped into my mind with episode 99, because I am well over 99 episodes on that damn thing. That's Changes in Latitudes, which you can find on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, as well as on the home site, changesinlatitudespodcast.blogspot.com. Or just put Changes in Latitudes into Google. How about that? I must confess to being a little mixed up about a clip I played on the last Succotash Clip show. It was from a show called Doctor Who Dark Journey. That was a serious take or an homage to Doctor Who, sort of audio fan fiction, I think. The same folks responsible for that also put out their own spoof called Doctor Who Dark Odyssey, which is, according to the email I got from their direct upload, Dark Odyssey is a take on Doctor Who as if it were produced for audio in America with basically everything wrong about it. Our American doctor shoots, swears, and shags. (laughs) So here's a clip from a parody of a ripoff of Doctor Who. I think. I'm still a little confused. So how'd you feel about being cast in this American version of Doctor Who? Well, you know, I... I, uh... At first, I was thrilled because I thought mm-hmm, it's such mm-hmm. a classic franchise. Yes. That I thought, well, you know, I grew up watching it. My children grew up watching it, and you know, it would be wonderful. But uh, it's 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 completely horrendous. It's uh, it's nothing I thought it would be, and uh, it actually it, it goes against everything that Doctor Who used to be. I mean, I I trained at RADA. You know, I spent five years with the Royal Shakespeare Company. I thought. Well, a trip to America it might open up avenues on Broadway, maybe Hollywood, you know. But what, what was it specifically about the show that, that you didn't enjoy? Everything. Uh, the actors were horrendous. Uh, the writing, it was like a three-year-old was given a crayon and a pad of paper and said, you know, go to town. And then they just gave it to us to eat. This regurgitated slurry of a script. Horrendous. Horrendous. And how did you find working with the American talent? Well, I mean, they're just they're not British, are they? I mean, they're not, they're not the classically trained breed of actor that uh, I'm used to working. Definitely not the caliber. But I, I do admire the Americans for being able to uh, be so carefree in their acting. It's just this group was just... Hey, her. who is this guy? It's me, the doctor, brought to you by Tampax. 
Yeah, see, this is exactly what I'm talking about here. So. Oh, uh, how did you how did you get on set? How did I've you been listening the whole time. I live downstairs in the basement. I, I think I think yeah. we have to clear this guy from the studio. You know, I the, wish you'd clear him. Doctor. That's wonderful. There's a restraining order on this Thank guy. You. You know, Security! I remember this guy. Security! Do you know what hey, acting a, is? He's an actor. He's a star. I don't think you know what acting is. I acting totally is, first know. of all, acting is Rocky not... No, acting is not showing up at 12 o'clock for a call time oh, of 6 a.m., all right? That's not acting. Acting is not coming in without your lines memorized yes, and improvised... Nah, this, is for work. this is ridiculous. I will not work under these conditions. I'm Fire bu- this guy. Oh, I think I, I'm bound under contract to work with I'm you. I don't like Batman now. If I'm I Batman. ever, ever run into you at an award ceremony, look the other way, sir. So, uh, I have nothing yeah. at this point, we just want to thank everyone for tuning in to yeah. PBS. And we'll be right back to Masterpiece like to Theater. If you'd like to phone in now with your pledges, we're taking uh, pledges now. 1-800-PBS. I'm telling you, if you don't... And thank you for supporting WNET and supporting public television. I hear you're playing thank you, and we're now back to Masterpiece, Masterpiece Theater with Alistair Cook. Thanks for listening, everybody. Would someone shut these guys up? I'm playing Spamblin, Judah Spam, and Hamlet about meat. The word on Dark Odyssey from the horse's mouth is, quote, more episodes are coming soon on our website, www.amaudiomedia.com and iTunes. We also have trailers there that listeners can hear, period, unquote. So you go, you figure out the difference between Dark Odyssey and Dark Journey in the original Doctor Who and report back to me. All right. There is a very popular BBC TV panel show called QI, which stands for Quite Interesting, hosted by Alan Davies and Stephen Fry, in which the point is to just be interesting and, I assume, entertaining. Interesting and entertaining. Those are two good things. Now, the researchers for the show, because it does have loads of trivia in it, are four folks called the QI elves because they look everything up. I guess elves are people or beings that look things up. I not sure. Anyway, they have a, their own sound cast called No Such Thing as a Fish. It's a simple format. Each of the elves, they are named Dan, James, Anna, and Andy, take turns kicking off each segment with a favorite fact for the week, and the others then chime in with facts and tidbits related to the main fact. It's very cool and very funny. I reviewed the show last week for Splitsider.com, and here is a snippet from the episode I reviewed where they talk about something called Train Jam. That's right, Train Jam. Okay, it is time for fact number two, and that is Chuzinski. My fact is that Dutch trains are fitted with lasers to fire at leaves on the line. That yeah. is amazing. Um, is it how <laughs> I imagine? So it's like, I'm imagining actually a steam train at the moment, but uh-huh. it's got a massive laser on the front, no. <laughs> and it's firing like green lasers at, mm. and then kind of vaporizing them. Yeah, it's and just it, like that. It also makes the noise, pew, 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 yeah, pew. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> It's that. It's got a giant pair of eyes shooting lasers 100 meters ahead. Um, No, it hasn't. Sorry, guys. They're a little bit smaller than that. It's definitely the same principle, but they're um, (laughs) tiny little lasers that are attached to the 
the wheels and they just shoot and vaporize leaves on the track just in front of the wheels. So they're quite small, but this is still in trial stage, I think, and it started in 2014. And it's because leaves on, on the line is a massive problem and it's just a more efficient way of cleaning them up. So other ways of getting leaves off the line, like jets of water or jets of sand, cause a bit of damage to the line. And because lasers have a really tiny wavelength, they get absorbed by the leaves, but they, the rails are completely unaffected by them. So you can fire a laser at a rail forever and ever wow. and nothing will happen. I think the first time they started investigating this method was in 1999. Yes. And the original laser burned at 5,000 degrees Celsius and fired 25,000 times a second. But the vibrations of the train meant that it wasn't accurate enough. So that was it one was of the problems at killing first. killing random people. <laughs> 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 and after thousands of deaths, <laughs> they decided to rethink. And no leaves killed. <laughs> Trees prospered as humanity perished. <laughs> no, this is... So the guy who came up with this idea is a man called Malcolm Higgins, who was a, a Royal Navy lieutenant commander, and he had no experience in lasers and no experience in trains. No, because he was in the Navy. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't use him that much on ships. Um, and he was just listening to the radio one day, I think, and thought, leaves on the line? I bet I know what could fix that. A laser. And he looked into it and set up this company called Laser Thor. And it turns out it is uh, better than better than the other methods in a lot of ways but you're right because of the um the slight wobble of trains the lasers sometimes misfired whereas if you fire a jet of water it just gets anything that's in its way uh. but it's been adjusted for now uh, in the dutch version and so it seems like it's working like a dream um, we haven't said why um, leaves on the line are a bad thing yeah, they are. They are. No, but <laughs> no, 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 why? Oh, why? Right, so they turn into a b- black mulch, don't they? Yeah. Sorry, Andy, <laughs> sorry, Andy wanted to say why. I thought you were asking me, but you just wanted to show off that you knew. <laughs> sorry, I should, forgive me for bringing it back to this table. <laughs> Go on. No, no, no. If I, Snooze. If I can showboat for a second <laughs> and read out a fact... Yep, no, take, take the stage. Um, so what happens is, when the le- so it's when you've got a leaf on the line, the, it's the previous train goes over it and crushes it. The leaves release a thing called pectin, which um, is the stuff that the food industry use, uses as a gel to make jams and jellies. Mm. So that's what happens. So, the train, so it means it slows down the deceleration of the train. So the tra- basically the train can't brake very effectively, and that's dangerous, so they have to go much more so slowly. Wait, does that mean that this vaporising by lasers of the leaves is going to reduce the quantities of jam available to us? Uh, I think that jam companies don't <laughs> principally source their jam from <laughs> railway lines. <laughs> the jam harvest every year is little children running <laughs> along railway lines, Imagine scooping up the On the, the supermarket shelf, you've got strawberry... <laughs> Raspberry train. <laughs> no such thing as a fish has gotten so popular that they now have their own TV show, which is just about to kick off its second season. And yet these these poor these poor sods have to still do research for the other TV show. Well, who does the research for their TV show? That doesn't seem fair. Anyway, you can you can find no such thing as a fish at audioboom.com and all those other usual places that we often mention that you can find podcasts. Tyson found us a really interesting soundcast I'd not heard before. It's called the Answering Machine Podcast, and it tells a story all based on a series of answering machine messages left for a woman named Lila Rose. Created by Sarah Poulton, who voices Lila, there's a big cast of people who leave these messages, and here's a sample.
You have reached the voicemail of Lila Rose. Uh, please leave a message after the beep. Thank you. Hey, guys. It's April. Are you still having your graduation party at that bar? I want to go, bitch. No, they won't let me in because I'm under 21. Remember? Ugh, ugh, don't make me tell my mom to yell at your mom, okay? I want to go. Is she going to be there? Oh, my God. You are so lucky. He's so hot. Oh, my God. Anyway. Oh, oh, I got this new lip gloss. I can't wait to tell you about it. It's called Super Orgasm. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Love you. Goodbye, hooker. Hey, girls. It's Kim, your friend. <laughs> oh, anyways, get ready. I am buying you a shot tonight. I don't care what you say. You're in a drink, and it's going to be awesome. Well, anyway, anyway, see you soon. Love you. Bye. Hey, Lila. It's Mark. I'm getting ready to meet up. I don't want to ruin the surprise, but I was going to bring you flowers, you know, like, as a gift, but uh, I don't want Jane to get mad, so if you don't want me to, I can give the flowers to someone else, but I got them for you. Anyways, congratulations. I'll see you soon. Uh... Hey, babe. It's, uh, Jay. Yeah, so, it's 10 p.m. Yeah. I, uh, can't make it to your party tonight, so I'm real sorry. Uh, I'll make it up to you. Like, I'll take you out for dinner for sure this time. <laughs> I got caught up doing stuff or whatever. So, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Bye. Have fun. Hey, slut. I had an awesome time at your grad party. Bummer Jay couldn't make it. (laughs) God, I'm so hungover. Fuck. My boss just saw me. I'm not supposed to be on the phone. I'll catch up with you later. Bye. Uh, hey, Lila, it's uh, Greg. It's uh, it's 1 p.m. We met last night, you know, at the bar. You um, gave me your number. <laughs> uh, I think you ladies were celebrating your, your graduation party, yeah? Uh, well, I, I, I'd love to take you out sometime. There's, there's a special on endless breadsticks going on at the Olive Garden. They have a Good uh, soup and salad, too. We could get in on that. Uh, anyways, you seem really cool, you know. Give me a call sometime. Uh, I was telling Mother all about you, and she thought it would be a good idea for me to get out there again, you know, after my last uh, breakup. So, yeah. Just, just give me a call back at this number. You smell really nice. Uh, all right. Goodbye. Hi, I'm calling for Lila Rose. It's around 3 p.m. So this is Ron. You interviewed with me two days ago? 
we wanted to go ahead and offer you the position. You really knocked it out of the park. I liked our synergistic energy, and you're a really sharp dresser. I think you'll make an excellent personal assistant. Let me know if you're available to start on Monday. That clip from the Answering Machine podcast came in from episode one because the website suggests starting at the beginning. They already have three seasons going, though, so you've got a lot of binge listening to catch up. You can find it at answeringmachinepodcast.com. The last of my review podcasts from last week was featured in Huffington Post Entertainment, and it's the unwritable rant from Juliet Miranda, who is a writer and an essayist. Kind of the same thing, right? And she's clearly a monologist as well. We've certainly had some terrific shows from dudes who can riff all by themselves, like Bill Burr and Greg Proops, but there have not been a whole lot of soundcasts like that from women, so give a listen to Juliet. You know, it's funny. Every time I hear about a direct sales business, doesn't matter what it is, I'm totally reminded of my neighborhood as a kid. Now, I don't mean to date myself so much, but, you know, back then, Tupperware parties were still a big deal. You know, even the Mary Kay lady visited my mom a couple times a year. And then, of course, there was the diet pill sales lady. Now, she lived two houses down from us, and she had a daughter who was about my age. So, you know, we were friendly with her. Now, I can't say my mother especially liked her that much, but neighborhood etiquette was very important in our small little town, so she was always very friendly toward her. I think the biggest problem with this woman is that she was just incredibly flighty. You know, she would often try scheduling block parties or fundraisers and would wind up dropping out, you know, halfway through for whatever shiny new object caught her eye. And she would always leave my mother to pick up the pieces. And she always had some sort of get-rich-quick project underway. You know, one year it was wood carving. Of course, that ended when she came running over to her house after she gouged a chunk of her arm out and needed my mother to drive her to the emergency room. And then another year it was pottery. Oh, she loved her pottery. Of course, that was until her kiln blew up in the basement and my mother had to call the fire department for her. And then there was that one time she needed my mother to perform an exorcism. This was in her diet pill days. She had one of those wacky diet pill direct sales businesses. And this being the 80s, these diet pills weren't exactly regulated. Now, who the hell knows what they put in those things, but they certainly didn't make anyone lose weight. That's probably why she was never able to get her business off the ground. But that was okay because she was her own best customer. Whatever she didn't sell, she used to eat by the palmful and would become so hopped up on whatever illegal stimulants were in these things that we would literally catch her running up and down our dead-end street collecting dead leaves and stuffing them in her pockets like some sort of deranged scarecrow. I mean, it was really kind of like a neighborhood joke. Every neighborhood has that one, you know, wacky sort of family. And normally it was mine, but (laughs) for that summer anyway, we were off the hook. But I'll tell you, nothing, nothing will beat the day she came running up our driveway and started pounding on our front door, screaming about how Satan was in her closet. Now, my mother comes to the front door, right? And we've got a screen there. So there's a screen between my mom and this crazy lady, and she is just having a heart attack. She is just, she's going on and on and on about how she was cleaning her house, and out of nowhere, Satan appeared to her, and he tells her that he wants her soul. Well, somehow she managed to chase him into a closet, and he was in there right now, and she wanted my mother to come over and get rid of him for her. (laughs) Now... I'm not sure why she thought a 5'4 Lithuanian woman would be a good defense against the Dark Lord. 
I mean, my mother has always been better suited at conjuring evil rather than vanquishing it, but no matter. My mother was up for the challenge. Because if there are three things that my mother does know how to do, it would be make Yorkshire pudding, sew herself a very smart outfit, and perform an exorcism. That's pretty funny stuff. And she drinks bourbon. Bonus. I'm not sure why that's a bonus or what it means, but she does drink bourbon and talk about it on the show. Give a listen to more Juliet Miranda and the Unwritable Rant. It's got a really long URL for their home site, so just Google Unwritable Rant or the show name. Oh, that was the show name. Or or grab some from iTunes or wherever. Oh, and you know, you can also go to SuckatessShow.com, our home site. There will be a clickable link in the blog details for this very episode. You can get to it that way. See, we're just here to serve you. That's the only reason we exist. The gang from a show called Droids Canada got a clip to us to our direct upload link, which I was mentioning I would give you later in the show. This is that point. So if you'd like to send us a podcast clip, three to five minutes, MP3, that would be fantastic. You can go to Hightail.com slash U slash Suckatash. That's Hightail.com slash the letter U, lowercase U, slash Suckatash. And you'll be able to upload directly to us. Anyway, about Droids Canada, they say, Based out of the Niagara region in Canada, this geeky pop culture show features blunt, comedic, and outrageous behavior that occurs on every episode! Exclamation point. Hosts Mr. J, AJ, and other rotating hosts Gabby Poole, Dr. Staville, Dan Moe, and DJ Johnny Rock cover current hot TV shows, comic books, movie reviews, fan-made things, interviews, and any other geek-related topics that they can get their hands on. This uh, clip that we're playing features guest James O'Barr, creator of The Crow. People just always expect the angst-ridden artist, you know, with hand draped across forehead. And, you know, generally, I'm a happy, funny guy. Um, you know, I get, I get all my misery out on paper, so I'm... That's excellent to hear, because I'm hoping to meet you, uh, hopefully Saturday, um, maybe even get an autograph from my poor, beaten, crow comic book that I've had for so many years. Yeah. <laughs> that's, how that's how books are supposed to be. You know, I, you know, still to this day, I don't, you know, I tell, I tell them they keep the, keep the bag, keep, you know, I don't, you know, they're to be read, yeah. they're to be read. Well, that was actually uh, one of the questions that uh, it's a pretty popular question that we do use with our comic book artists that we talk to is that uh, with the digital age coming, do you, do you still prefer to get the paperback, or if you do decide to read a comic book, do you just get the digital copy? Um, no, I'm you know I'm I'm a little bit of a luddite. I don't I don't do any of my artwork digitally. I don't watch any films or or, or things on the on the computer. Um, you know, I, I, I it's unavoidable that everything will go digital uh, in the future, but I don't think people ever lose the love of that, that tactile feeling of holding a book in their hands and being able to dog ear a page or flip back to something. You know, it, there's uh, you know, there's there's a nostalgia attached to books that that digital just doesn't doesn't have. 
and I agree with you. Like I, I when we got back into comic books only a couple of years ago, I kind of, I don't know, I went through a period I just was not reading comic books, and I got back in, and and now well, I think they became very stagnant for a while. They, they, they became very boring for a while. They, they were they were only uh, seems like they were uh, only being produced as something for the movie companies right. to uh, to utilize. I can I can agree with that. That absolutely what it is, and it wasn't until um, I I don't remember what I tripped back into, and then uh, I started really collecting a lot of comic books and picking up all these different art, and I find myself picking up a lot of independent artists' books. Yeah, you know, it's it's like just like you know the, the late eighties with uh, you know thanks to the turtles you know breaking through. It was like it was like a real renaissance for the independent artists and. And in the last few years, with the, the ability to do, you know, print on demand instead of printing 10,000 copies, there's been a, a really big resurgence of independent comics. So it's, so it's a really good time for comics, I think, for independent comics. Absolutely. Uh, I, I'm a huge collector. I actually like physically seeing and reading from an actual book. I have tried reading a couple of digitals, and I just it doesn't have the, the same feeling, I guess I, w- I would say, of actually reading a uh, paperback book. And I, I, you're right, and I agree with you, that eventually everything's going to go digital age. I just hope that we can kind of hold on to the paper just for a little bit longer, because I just love having a giant collection. I think that's a huge thing for me. I love collecting stuff and collecting graphic novels, whether if it's a or if it's like even Batman or even an independent, I just like to have it so I can be like, oh, I'm going to read this today and just spend an entire afternoon just reading the entire book. You can find more show and more about the show at droidscanada.com. They're also lighting up Twitter at droidscanada. They're also on SoundCloud, as are we. All right, we'll be back with uh, another little bit of show right after this important message from our sponsor. Ah, can you smell it, friends? Autumn is in the air, crisp and cool. The smell of wood smoke and the leaves turning and falling from the trees. In honor of the autumnal equinox, Henderson's Pants is pleased to introduce their new Autumn Leaf Behind Pants. Working with the fine folks at Monsanto and the latest in chlorophyll technology, Henderson's has created a pair of trousers that literally change themselves. From the moment you slide your legs into your new Autumn Leaf Behind Pants, they begin a subtle but discernible shift in color. They start out as a pair of rather dull, run-of-the-mill tan chinos, but within hours, you'll be delighted as they become more brilliantly hued in a spectrum of breathtaking colors. Greens, reds, yellows. It's like your very own legs were taking a drive through the fall splendor of Vermont. You'll want to pay close attention to your autumn leaf behind pants because within days of activation, they begin to crinkle, crumple, and drop off in leaf-shaped patches onto the floor, which is why they're named as they are. The Henderson's Leaf Behind Pants, once they'd fallen off completely, leaves you with nothing but your behind to show for it. <laughs> Originally designed for romantic country drives, hay rides, and Helga Klontz, the Amish stripper, Henderson's Autumn Leaf Behind Pants can be found inside corn mazes and haunted houses. That's Henderson's, maker of baggy drawers and granny panties since 1841. And now, back to Succotash. Are you happy? 
That's the big question that gets kicked around in Epi 49 of the English soundcast called Big Question. The hosts are Peter, Maria, Gary, Kay, and Orochi. Plus, they often have guests. Tyson, who snipped this clip, didn't tell me if there were guests. So I guess that that's my big question. You know what? Let's just listen. Right. Let's get into a question. And I'm going to ask a question. Ask it. Ask. Are you happy? No. And be honest. <laughs> um, that's a difficult question for so many reasons. Happy is such a strong word. Yeah. yeah I, I struggle to use happy. Do, do we mean at this very minute or on this particular day or at this period I, in my life? Or I, I think there's a ge- all I, of those would be no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's... it's I, I have to admit, I, I struggle to say, yes, I am happy. I, ho- I kind of have these periods of my life where I'm not suicidally miserable. <laughs> that's that's positive. That's, is that happiness? That's this is the thing. Yeah. I, I wonder whether we're, we're sort of sold this like idea that everyone has to be happy. And actually, maybe the best you ever really get is being not unhappy. The best you ever get is you, then periods where you don't want to kill yourself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Or anybody else. If your law is kind of like neutral, brilliant. Yeah, like most of the time I'm not unhappy. Yeah, but what, yeah, again, also, I think it it kind of comes down to how do we define happiness? Exactly. Is it just you laughing and giggling all the time? Think Tom Cruise on Oprah. That's not yeah, I'm never going to be that. I'm never ever going to be that. Like no matter what, even if I have, if I meet the man of my dreams, I will never be Tom See, Cruise. See, like, the Oprah. odd day or sometimes even the odd week, if something really good's happened, um, like I'll, I'll be like, you know, bopping around, like yeah, getting a really good mood, and I want to do things, and I'm really upbeat, and that will last maybe a few days, but then it doesn't doesn't really last forever. Like you can go back to being sort of, I'd say I was fairly content. I'm not sure if that's happy. Okay, let me ask the question in a different way. So, I mean, I don't think it's any great surprise that the four of us in the room and all the other people who get involved with this podcast gravitate towards each other because kind of we're all curmudgeon miserable cunts. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah, I, yeah. Think it's fair. I think that's totally yeah. fair. I, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like I might be the most curmudgeonly, the most miserable, but maybe... <laughs> I can maybe, be pretty miserable. Yeah. But, you know, it seems... When I, in my life... I observe people that I don't know very well, and it always seems like they're happy. Yeah, and, that's true. and I wonder, are they? But then that's is the that thing. just the fact that are, you see the front exactly. of that person? Are we seeing the Facebook image of an Instagram image of what people want us to think about their lives, and we're assuming that that's how their life is and how happy they are? I don't think anyone is that happy. I don't think anyone could honestly say they were genuinely all, like all happy all the time. I do have a deep mistrust of people that don't have a tremendous amount of cynicism, sarcasm in their lives. No, I don't like people like that. I don't like, I hate people like that. Yeah. They're not So going back a good few years, before I moved to London, and I was still in Manchester, I do kind of have this memory of, like, multiple times getting the bus to work. I always kind of remember just, like, watching people on the street Everybody was frowning. And maybe it's just that's how everyone looks in the It's north. a northern thing. Yeah, it's it a definitely northern is, thing. yeah. Oh, that's uh, just my default first since moving down here. I have, yeah. to be, I have to be more frowny in London. Yeah, but it's just everyone was everyone was frowning. And I, I remember thinking at the time, 
God, everyone looks so fucking ugly. <laughs> and they wouldn't... It's not that they are ugly. It's just the face they choose to pull as a default face is ugly. Mm. If people actually smiled, everyone looks about 50% better. I have to say, though, I deliberately... If I'm in particular areas, if I'm wearing particular co- clothes, I'm very much aware that I don't want to look friendly. Because as it is, you get hassled as a woman by men who are dicks. Now, if I go around smiling and looking happy, that's just an in. They're just like, oh, this girl wants me. Like, that's how these dicks think. So you have to have, like, a bit of a, you know, a bit of a march on. You've got to, like, striding away, looking angry. Because then at least you're in your default mode. So you're waiting for some cunt to be like, all right, love. Or, like, you've like never, some You've shit. never considered wearing, like, a burlap sack and smiling <laughs> instead. No. Rather than hot pants and no, frowning. No, I, I prefer hot pants and a frown. It's just my look. <laughs> now, here comes our second burst of durst for you. Hey, guys. Will Durst here with a few choice words on the presidential campaign entering its brand new phase, the health wars. 70-year-old codger Donald Trump claims that 68-year-old geezer Hillary Clinton is not just too sick to serve, but actually already dead and only ambulatory due to a dark sorcery achieved by making a deal with the devil himself. A charge which the ever-vigilant press is busy investigating but has yet to unearth a shred of evidence to support or debunk. Hillary spent three days recovering from what she claims was a bout of walking pneumonia, but anonymous tweets suggest was really a slight touch of the Ebola. To herald his health, the New York businessman handed the press a single paragraph from his gastroenterologist that said, if elected, Trump will be the healthiest person ever to assume the presidency in the history of the United States. He did, and everyone laughed. Then Hillary returned to the campaign trail accompanied by James Brown's I Feel Good, which suggested she might have spent her time off getting a humor implant. Then Trump went on Dr. Oz's television show and handed him a sheet of paper that claimed he was fitter than a pig in spit. The problem is Dr. Oz is a doctor the same way that Donald Trump is a statesman, with both specializing in snake oil. Trump says he will release a detailed report later. It's always later with this guy. He's going to release his taxes later. He'll admit that Obama was born in the U.S. later. He'll explain his plan to defeat ISIS later. His campaign specializes in later. But someday, the American people are going to demand to know exactly what medical condition he suffers that makes him so orange. For Suckatash, the comedy soundcast, soundcast, I'm Will Durst. WillDurst.com is where you can find the writings of our friend Will. Look for his tweetings at Will Durst. And he's performing all around the Bay Area these days. Find his schedule on the aforementioned website. Since we have so many clips in this show, I am going to dispense with our usual ramble through the tweet sack. No, I'm sorry, Tweety. Nope. Next time. Instead, let's finish off this episode with a tasty treat from Abner Surd, a little ditty called Apples. I planted an apple in the springtime. I wanted an apple tree to grow. I planted it deep to make the tree a little bush as tall as me so i could pick the apples on tippy toe oh oh apple sauce and apple pie and apple fritters my oh my we like to bake we like to fry we like to stew and candify our apples delicious apples i planted an apple in the springtime 
But now it all seems so long ago. The autumn is here, and now you see there isn't any apple tree out in the yard and back of the bungalow. Oh, oh. Apple sauce and apple pie and apple dumplings, my oh my. We like to peel, we like to dry when there's a big enough supply of apples, delicious apples. Mom said that it takes a tree a long time. Years maybe it takes a tree to grow, but mother and father both agree the farmer's market certainly will sell them by the bushel or peck, you know. Oh, oh, apple sauce and apple pie and apple crumble, my oh my, we're never full, we're never shy, we never want to say goodbye to apples. Delicious apples. You can get much more of Abner Surd's a cappella song stylings from his Tall Tales and Shaggy Dog Soundcast, which is right there on iTunes for all to hear and download. There we go. So much show that I'm not even going to go near that tweet sack. No, Tweety, I told you. I'm just going to give you a big blanket thank you to everybody who was kind enough to tweet, retweet, favorite, like, heart, follow, or otherwise mention Succotash in your social media. Next time, we'll hit the Carnival of Thanks, which will be a Succotash Chats episode where I'll be talking to the fine folks behind the hit podcast, My Dad Wrote a Porno. Mm Mm-hmm. That's right. Until then, if you're at the L.A. PodFest this weekend, be sure to drop by the podcast lab and say hi. If you want to grab on to PodFest's live stream at LAPodFest.com, don't forget to use our discount code HUFFINGTON to save yourself $5 and scoot a little money our way at the same time. All right, that's it. Remember to pass the Succotash. Now beat it. Goodbye. You've been listening to Succotash Clips, the comedy soundcast soundcast, with your host, Mark Hershon. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants and... Imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuccotashShow.com, on iTunes, on Stitcher Smart Radio, on SoundCloud, and on Ha Ha Ha, the laughable app. You can also hear us streaming and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Suckatash Show. Email us at marc at SuccotashShow.com. Or call into the Suckatash hotline at our non Toll free call number 818 921 7212. You can also upload clips from your favorite comedy soundcasts directly to us using our direct upload link at hightail.com slash you slash succotash. Succotash is produced and engineered with the kind assistance of Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, home of the hit. Our associate producer is Tyson Saner. Our musical director is Scott Covey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durgis. Until next time, I am your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the succotash. Goodbye.